And welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Mike Nizalik and Andrew Gillis at MNT Bank Stadium. The Bengals drop a heartbreaking 1917 game in walk-off fashion. Andrew, Mike, just jumping into it right away. When you think of that, what just went wrong? Yeah, I, I think two major things for me, and it, it's frustrating for the Bengals because these are issues that they have kind of hit on over the last couple of weeks. They started abys- they started abysmally. Like, they, they were terrible to start. Uh, they were down 10 to nothing. The Ravens were driving, and a Von Bell interception actually kind of brought them back into the game. Uh, the start was not what you wanted. And, they, you know, they had talked for so long about missing key opportunities and missing key sequences. And there's going to be a lot of talk about the goal line sequence down at the end zone uh, that we're kind of looking at on that left side of the field. And we can get into that. But you miss that opportunity there. You don't start fast. There are just plays throughout the game that you don't hit. And I think that those are the two biggest frustrating things because the defense was great again. You just miss so many opportunities and you start slow. And that is exactly what they have been talking about for the past month. And that was kind of what they said had been fixed in these last two wins. It was kind of a listless performance by both teams, I thought. You know, it was a Sunday night uh, game, battle for first place after the Browns lost earlier today. Uh, And neither team sort of played their best football. I mean, Baltimore uh, was out some key players, um, including Rashad Bateman. So their offense was uh, fairly limited in terms of passing the ball downfield. It doesn't didn't feel like a winning offensive effort. Um, I mean, they bottled up Jackson pretty good, um, and they didn't really even try to go. I mean, the, the one touchdown pass was the only really blown coverage of the game. That was really the only pass over 15, 20 yards that they uh, successfully completed. They tried a couple downfield sh- uh, shots that Lamar Jackson overthrew, uh, but really it was a, you know, uh, with the def- you know the offense talked about how this was a, a winning performance by the Bengals' defense, and they just kind of, um, you know, failed again in kind of key situations situations, especially in that second half. It's a very short game. It was kind of a weird pace because the Bengals had really three drives in the entire second half. One real quick was an interception and then two really long ones. Um, just a strange game. They could never they could never really get their feet under them and get momentum. Um, obviously still had, you know, had a 15-play drive and a 12-play drive, but when it came out, first one came away with no points, um, it just sort of felt disjointed at times. And, and just, you know, I think it was evidently clear how disappointed they were to be lose, leaving tonight because th- they knew that this was a game that they should have won. So l- let me ask you guys a question right now. Before the season, we're, I'm asking you this question right before kickoff week one, and I tell you this. The Bengals' defense will allow 16, 20, 12, 15, and 19 offensive points. What do you say their record is? 4-1? and one? Five and zero, oh. like you were at yeah, four like, and like one. I said, you were at a minimum four and one, and this team is two and three right now. I think that's got to be the most frustrating part too, because the defense has played well enough to win five games. This isn't one of those situations where you know it kind of it's kind of like you're plugging a wall, and all of a sudden, as soon as you get one hole plugged water spurts out of somewhere else on the wall. No, this is a very clear issue right now where you're just not scoring enough points. And this is what was supposed to be the strength of this team, that offensive side of the ball, and it's not working for them. And this is what I think is so frustrating for me to wrap my head around is how do you do that against a team that's got the third worst overall defense in the league? I understand, you know, Marcus Peters really limited Jamar Chase and T. Higgins before he left the game with, you know, being questionable with an ankle injury. But the defense really hasn't been great. I mean, there's a reason why they gave up a 35-14 lead to the Dolphins. There's a reason why they gave up a 17-point lead to the Bills. And they almost gave it up today until the Bengals ultimately lost the game on their own. I, that's the part that's really 
just mind-boggling yeah, to me. Yeah, so the, the thing about that is I, I came into this game, and, and, and I, the reason I picked the Ravens going in was because I was I really didn't know how good the Ravens were, but I thought they were better than what their record said because you look at that game against the Dolphins where they blew the lead, and listen, a 21-point lead blown in the fourth quarter, that's embarrassing. Like, that is not something that should happen at the NFL level. There's a reason but why that it, defense right, well, and is that, bad. But that was my point. Like, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and, you know, Mar, uh, you know uh, uh, Chuck Clark and safety, they're not getting toasted. It was communication breakdowns. And when you hold the Bills to 23, that's pretty damn good. When you hold the Bengals to 17, that's pretty good. So I was kind of curious about how that was going to work. So the Ravens' defense is good. Let, 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 like, let's make no you know mistake about that. They are good, but this was a very winnable football game for the Bengals. And on top of that, too, I mean, you're right, because it just seemed like Marcus Peters, he really was having fun tonight. I mean, Jamar Chase wasn't upset after the game, but you could tell Marcus was kind of getting to him because there was one sack. I think it was uh, the first sack of the game from Jason Pierre-Paul. He was pushing off on Chase. Like, he really played that tight man-to-man coverage. Uh, Brian Callahan talked about it. Like, Peters will play man-to-man. He'll bite for the ball. But I think he won that battle against Jamar Chase. He was targeted 12 times, 7 catches, but only 50 yards. That should have been more. Because, like you said, the hallmark of this offense was supposed to be explosive points. And when Jamar Chase has that many catches for only 50 yards and no touchdowns, yeah, That's part a of that is a function of the play calling. I mean, I don't, can't remember them targeting Chase. I mean, most of the targets, especially in the first half, uh, were behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, Chase, Chase had the big third down uh, catch. I think it was third down uh, in the in the in the red zone uh, to kind of extend that drive late uh, to set up the the touchdown to put them in a lead. I mean, they, they were talking about how I mean they basically gave what the defense took them. I mean, you look at uh, a lot of these numbers. I mean, everybody. Uh, the only really big catch was Michael Thomas. Uh, was a 33-yarder, but he, you know, it was a missed tackle by Peters that he turned into a 30-yard gain. They just were they were playing too deep the entire game, making sure that they didn't beat them over the field. And so, I mean, they took what they gave them. I mean, did that in the in the second half, if they just come away with a touchdown in both of those drives, they win this game. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, the, the stats don't matter. I mean, they've talked a lot about this, and style points don't matter, stats don't matter. It's basically, if you can find a way to just get enough points, that's all that matters. And they didn't tonight because of that red zone uh, failure, which has become sort of a, a pattern here um, you know, for the Bengals where they've just had these failed opportunities in the red zone. I think, what, against Dallas, they went 2-5. of or maybe might be confusing my games. But at one point, you know, they've had, I think, a red zone failure in four of the five games so far. Yeah, so the the red zone thing is is that i mean that's the, the i think that's you could point to where they lost the game because it, what what was their last drive i don't know if the stats in front of me it was a 730 you drove right down the field like that is a clinic of a drive to take the lead at the end of a football game and i i mean look Justin Tucker he's the best kicker that has ever lived you know that if he gets to your own 45-yard line... It's over. It's over. It's like done. The game is over. He so, made a 58-yard field goal for a reason. So so the problem to me is it's unrealistic because the, the Ravens started at their own 25. They needed 30 yards to get into Tucker range. That's unrealistic to say, okay, they have, they have four downs because they're going to go for it. They have three timeouts. They have two minutes to get 30 yards. That's unrealistic to hold your defense to that standard. So I think Mike's exactly right. They lost this game... To me, they lost this game at that four uh, at that four down sequence at the two yard line. I love the call to go for it because forget the numbers, forget the we can get two yards and four. Forget the analytics, forget all of that. You are on the road. You are in a Sunday night football. Trust me, these fans have been drinking for many hours. It is a <laughs> loud venue to play in. 
you are knocking on the door of taking the lead for the first time in the game, and it, it's, it's just a, you play to win. Like, I, I understand people say, oh, well, you take the points, and then maybe it's, you know, maybe it's 2016 at the end. No, you play to win the game. I believe a famous NFL coach once said that. But you yeah, play but to I win the game. I think the problem isn't necessarily the, the call. It's the play it's call the play. It was the specific sequence. I mean, they passed it four times. They did the trick play um, that, that obviously got blown up for, uh, what was it, a loss of? Loss of 12 because they were at the 12. 2 and they went to the 14. And, so, uh, and then a shovel pass on fourth down that had no chance. That led to an exchange on the sideline between uh, Zach Taylor that was caught on the broadcast with Liel Collins. And it looked like on the replay, Collins doubled uh, somebody, and then the guy that got free was supposed to be his man, and he made kind of the uh, – it was incomplete, but he kind of busted it up and was on Stanley Morgan and, and kind of made it. So I just think it's – you know, and he t- Taylor defended the play-calling sequence based on kind of what they've seen on film from – uh, Baltimore and said, you know, they have a stout defensive front. They're very difficult to kind of go up and down the field against, uh, north and south, r- rather. Uh, but then the next drive, two plays, at, you know, inside the five. One was a run right up the middle with Mixon. He almost gets to the end zone basically an inch away, and the next one is a sneak. I don't understand sometimes, and, and, and I think it's something that we can ask kind of, you know, tomorrow or, or this week. You know, do the – and I tried to when I was asking about fourth and one calls earlier this season, how do you balance – what you do well versus what the team can give you. Because sometimes I feel like this season they've gone to the idea, or Zach has talked about, you know, we've really called things that we think should work based on what the team has shown on film. But, I mean, you're relying too much on that and not what you want to do or what you want to be able to in that situation. And, you know, Mixon was running hard, I think, today. He had his best game. I think he had the best uh, burst he's shown all, all season. And, I mean, the next drive kind of proved the point where, why not run on first yeah. down vertically and then, you know, try, you know, because they've, they've done a lot horizontal, they've done a lot of tosses in those short yard situations at, at random times. And sometimes I think they get away with just like, what's the easiest way to score? And it just feels like the easiest way, if you're one yard away or two yards away, is to just hand it off to the running back that, oh, by the way, had 1,500 yards last year. Right. So to, to me, I mean, it's the silver lining of tonight. And I mean, trust me, no Bengals fan is going to bed right now. It is, what, 1225 in the East Coast. No Bengals fan is going to bed right now going, Oh well, at least they ran the ball pretty well. <laughs> like at least they made no. Like like if Mike, they won, like, maybe that'd be the case. Right, right. Like like Mike was saying to me, the more confound like that play, like that sequence, really just kind of blows my mind here because you found something with the with the gun run game. I think Joe uh, Joe Burrow mentioned that in his post game press conference. Like at the beginning of the game, it looked same old, same old for that offense. They could not run the ball. They just they nothing was working there. You know, Ravens were blowing up plays in the backfield. It just didn't look smooth. And then you start to slowly start to piece together some of these runs. Mixon finishes with five point six yards a carry. P Ryan finishes. I know he just had three carries. Five point seven yards a carry. You were able to effectively run the football. And this wasn't one of those situations where that happened in the first quarter, and you know that you had been basically running into a brick wall. You had been able to run the football. And then you completely abandon it. The Hayden Hurst play, got no problem with that. The Jamar Chase play, you can kind of throw that out because they were at the 14. I don't get the Philly special in that situation. Or if you're going to do that, Tyler Boyd, has if he sees pressure, and I'm sure he's been instructed to do this, but if he sees pressure, he's got to throw that thing to the guy behind the goalpost in the 20th row. You've got to get rid of that football, and he didn't, and it cost him. And then the shovel play... I, I don't know. That that one's going to blow my mind because, like I said, 
you're at the well, two I mean, like yard said, line. It, 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 it there was a, a miscommunication on the play, so it looked worse. Uh, and, sure, and, but and, you're still at the two. You got to run and, once. And Boyd did decline speaking after, and I forgot that he was the quarterback of that play. I probably didn't want to ask answer any questions about uh, that specific moment. But um, yeah, no, it was just. A, but it, it's it's been a season long sort of effort where they've had these. Um, you know, good sequences, easy sequences where they've scored easy and then have gone away from what's worked. Um, and, and, you know, Zach Taylor, I think, does sort of um, hold himself accountable um, in these moments. Um, today I was surprised that he sort of, I mean, outwardly at least seemed fine with the play calling. I mean, I think he'd probably want the trick play back. But I, I, don't, I mean, I think him, it's the execution that matters more than sort of, you know, the shovel pass, I think, in his mind, probably should have worked if the execution, you know, if there wasn't a blown block. If that guy, if uh, I forgot who made the tackle, gets blocked on that play, Morgan has space to catch the ball, and it's a touchdown. So um, it, it's just a it, – it, I think that'll be, a, you know, an issue until they kind of uh, put a couple games together where they don't have these breakdowns in the red zone, and they just haven't had that um, – uh, so far through five games. I, so I, I'm asking you guys, I, I, don't, I truly don't know the answer to this. Was the Philly special even open? Like, w- was the play there? No, if, if, Burrow no, was covered, Burrow anyway. was covered. Okay, so the play wasn't even there. Yeah. So to that, okay, so I want to sort of synthesize everything you guys said. I think two things can be true. It can be true that, yes, the play calling was atrocious in the sense of the execution, like Burrow was covered. I said to myself, why are they doing that? They gave the Ravens way too much time to sniff it out. Like, they gave it to Jamar and then Tyler, which gave them enough time to read it, and Burrow's already covered. So that was already a dud. But, and hear me out on this, I don't think they should have gone for it on fourth down. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. At the end of the day, we're looking at a scoreboard, 20-19. to Would have been the, the, the final assuming the Ravens don't score a touchdown at the end and if the Bengals get it. But here's the thing, though. We don't know that until now. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can't, you know, teleport ourselves to that final drive. But here's the thing. They have not done well on fourth down this season. This is not a knock on Coach Taylor. It's not a knock on the offense. But you saw it happen with the Philly special. You couldn't get it two plays before that. I think the Ravens were too prepared on that fourth down. I, I would have personally not gone for it. I mean, give the Ravens credit. They were a little more conservative. They didn't go for it on a fourth down later in the game. They kicked a field goal, and that's part of why we're looking at a 1917 scoreboard. So here, here's – I will push back. I, 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 I like the decision to go for it. Like I just mentioned, you're on the road. Forget it. Like the analytics are one thing of, look, you're at the two-yard line. You've played well defensively all game. You need you, – if you can't get two yards, what are you doing? But – like Zach said, he felt good in his and, – and this is kind of what swung me too because, I, like, I was all in, but, net, like, Zach kind of convinced me. You he, – he talked about in his postgame press conference feeling good that his defense was not going to allow a touchdown, and they did not. Right. Like, they, sure. you're winning you're, – or, excuse me, you're losing 13-10. to 10. If you go up 17-13 to 13, – what was there, three minutes left in the third quarter, two minutes left in the third, something like that? If you get a touchdown in that situation, basically you're sitting there going, okay, we score one more time, ball game, because we know our defense is not going to give it up. And to me, I just, I, I get, I like, I, I and I said this when the, the, when the, I think the Ravens kind of had like a 15-play drive right after that, and they got stoned at the, at the goal line, and they kicked a field goal. I thought the Ravens should have went for it. Like, I, and maybe that's just me being aggressive. Maybe that's just me wanting teams but they to did go it, for it. And it actually worked out for them. Sure, but like when otherwise you, they'd be the ones losing you the game. Up, you brought up the twenty to nineteen point. I, first of all, I don't know if you can do the butterfly effect thing because everything just kind of happens right after that differently. But 
the Ravens got the ball. Let's pretend it's 20 to 16 and the Ravens need a touchdown with a minute and 50 left. You trust the defense, right? You trust the defense, but they were at their own 25-yard line and they had three timeouts and they were at what? They were at the Bengals 35 with a minute left and all three timeouts. Yes. Like, to me, I just think that that is some that is some revisionist history that I just don't think you can get into because the game would have played out so much differently. I think if if you had gone for it and or if you excuse me if you had kicked the field goal rather than go for it. The fourth down bot said it was a two point seven win percentage advantage for going for it for Cincinnati. So it was a medium recommendation uh, with their fourth and two. Uh, it was a toss-up for uh, Baltimore's on the next drive. So, I mean, going by the analytics, uh, you know, obviously Cincinnati uh, chose the correct uh, decision. You know, that was the that analytics say that was the right decision or the um, but chance, uh, the one with the better chance of win percentage, forty-four. What do you, Mike? What do you think? Do you think they should have went for it? Yeah, I mean, I don't, like okay. I said, it's just, I mean, what I mean, and you know, hit, uh, Zach will always say hindsight. You know, obviously when things things don't work that out, but. I just think the play calls, that whole sequence was a little wonky, that they could have set themselves up for success better by just trying to run it on first down um, and then going from there. I mean, that's my only uh, contention with that. I, I think that, and you don't know that, I mean, look, that the three drives taking up most of the clock in the second half, I mean, you don't necessarily know that you're not going to have, you're going to have the ball one more time. Right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, that, that kind of plays into it. And the way the game played out, sure, you say, you know, you take the points just because it was only one more drive, but... I mean, that's not fair. I think in the moment it was the right decision. You're down, especially the home road splits on the road. You're generally supposed to be more aggressive and go for points. Um, and then the home team can be slightly more conservative, which is kind of how it played out. Um, but I had no problem with. I, I don't think. Hey, yeah. I don't think Taylor will be cr- criticized for that. I think that he shouldn't I, I be the play think, calling. Yeah. I just think it'll be the play calling that was sort of the issue. Uh, well, that's the main issue. No, I I'm with you on that. I'm not saying the main issue was that he went for it. The main issue is what you mentioned. But I just think. You know, they had those fourth downs they didn't get, you know, against Miami. There was a toss and mixing they didn't get. Same with the Jets. Again, the analytics are the analytics. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not a mathematician. Well, that, well, that's my point. I, I don't even think the analytics in this case matter. You have you had, th- I, like, I get you took the 12-yard tech, but you had three plays at the two-yard line to get a touchdown. Forget every, forget the numbers, forget what the, forget what the, like, look, I, I'm glad uh, Mike brought that up because I love that bot. But forget that. Win the Go win the game. Like, play to – because if you kick the field goal, you're only tied. Baltimore, like, I, I get it. Like, you know, they, you, you have trust in your defense. But we had just mentioned that on that last drive, they have a war machine as their kicker. Like, you know you have to face that, and you know that they have the ball. They're going to have – you know, they're going to have more possessions from that point on to the rest of the game most likely. Like, I, I just – I don't know. Like, to me, that is a situation where – like like Mike was talking about, when you have it in the in the fourth quarter and you're going for the touchdown, don't get cute, don't don't try something don't try something fancy. Run the ball ahead because you had run the ball so successfully. Because let's say maybe you run it two straight times, three straight times on first and goal at the two, and you don't still get in the it. Same situation. Then you're you still in the time. same situation, but then you know, okay, we just tried to run it three straight times and we didn't get it. Maybe then you have a more informed decision to kick it, or you just say, screw it, we're gonna pass the ball. Like I, I, the, the play calling there was bad, but I, I just I cannot get behind the issue that they should have taken the points. I'm still gonna harp on that. Okay, I'm just looking at the scoreboard because I know I'm looking at it now. But like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. The analytics are there. We'll respectfully, and I mean respectfully, you disagree, but 
you know, again, they're two and three. They fall behind in division. That's that's a tough loss. That it's going to be a lot more difficult to crawl out of because you're below five hundred and it's against a division rival yeah. who's now first place. You know, like Joe Burrow said, there's no panic, and I really don't think there is panic. But it is a steeper hill to climb. They should play. There, I, should there be panic though? Because you're two and three against the the Steelers. Some loss panic is yes. getting worse and worse because the Steelers are getting absolutely mauled every single week that they play. The Steelers are a bad team. They're gonna have a top ten pick, maybe a top five pick. The Dallas loss doesn't look bad. Yeah, that's, the that, that was a good team. Isn't bad, but you're two and three against three games. The one you should have beat the Steelers. Yeah, but I mean, no, we don't deny you, that. The, but the schedule, you know, it's funny. The the, the brutal end of the, the last four weeks of the schedule are really brutal. But yeah. the next was it five the next five weeks or six games are, are, yeah. are, are very winnable, embarrassing. So I mean, I th- I think like you know, you got New Orleans. Atlanta, Cleveland, Carolina, which might not have a coach by then, and, uh, and, and Pittsburgh. So, I mean, by then, I mean, you, you look back and say we lost some close games. We, we should be, what is that, five? So that they'd be seven and three at that point if they, if they, if they rattle wins, off five in a row. Uh, which shouldn't be, um, you know, un, un, you know un, unreasonable, to be honest. And then you kind of get into the, the, the tough part of schedule yeah. at the end. Um, I think where they're going to kind of, like, you know, regret these close losses is if, the division does come down to one game or the wild card. You know, you're in a wild card race and you need that extra win. But, I mean, right now I don't think there's panic just because, you know, they have a veteran-tested team. Their defense is playing probably as well as anybody uh, in the NFL right now. And it's going to it's gonna stay that way. And they, right? have, it is. they have the offensive talent to, in theory, put it together. Um, and so, you know, you've lost some bad games. Uh, you know, but I mean, the Dallas loss doesn't look as bad. I think the Pittsburgh one is the one you kind of regret. The Pittsburgh one is the one. Um, and then this one, I think this one is actually you know sort of a worse loss than the Dallas game because you weren't digging out as quite as big of a hole as you were in Dallas. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I, I think that this team's you know there's no panic just because they did make a Super Bowl run last year and then they know what it takes um, that you can't sort of uh, look ahead and you can't sort of you know view your schedule like that. You have to take it. Uh, what's in front of you and you know they're disappointed I think and you can sense it in the locker room because they've given away opportunities I think is what they're more upset about than their actual overall record that they they feel like they, they've shot themselves in the foot in each of these games um, and that's I think what hurts them the panic is moderate because like I said there should be some panic because like Mike said that's three walk-off losses well you mentioned the defensive points allowed that's a four and one record right there but as bad as the Steelers game was and is, this team is a lot better than they were in week one. Even with the loss, they are still a lot better than they were. I understand they're one PAT, one chip shot away from that win, but that offensive line was not as good as it is now. I mean, two sacks allowed on Burrow still. Mixon got a lot better. Burrow was much more protected. They, that was not the case against the Steelers. So this team has gotten better, and they can and I think should get better. Will they is the question. That's a toss-up. But, you know, very winnable games coming up until you get to the bye, and then you have that gauntlet. I think if you can just settle into a groove the next couple weeks and readjust after the bye, this team could go on the run. We saw them go on in those last couple weeks last year at that same time when they won a division. But, again, can and should is the key. Will they is determined. So, I, like, Mike's right. The, the schedule of games coming up, just as I have it in front of me, their next six at New Orleans, home against Atlanta, at the Browns on Monday Night Football, home against Carolina, at Pittsburgh on uh, Sunday Night Football, at uh, Tennessee. Those are games that you should win. Like, they're going to be favored in most of those games unless things go completely off the rails, which is well, a whole I other think... conversation. But if you – so uh, the problem here, though, is – 
it gets late early. And I know that there's an extra playoff team. This is the second year they're doing it. But you pretty you don't have no room for error. But even if you go four and two out of that stretch, that's not where you want to be. Because you, you what would that be six and five? So you're six and five going into that final stretch of the season. That's not like to me. I just it, it leaves you with little room for error. And I understand that like as a one off, you might not be able to say, oh, can't believe that Ravens game. The Steelers game is a little different. I can't believe that Ravens game. Can't believe that Cowboys game. Can't believe that Steelers game. But in totality, I think these losses are really going to come back to bite them in the ass. And the problem is that you, when you talk about the like the the ways that they've lost, kind of like I was talking off at the at the top of this, it's the same issues. They sl- they started slow. They had opportunities. They didn't convert. Uh, to your point, uh, they are technically uh, a half point underdog against the Saints. But yes, overall, are they an underdog against the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints are a half-point favorite wow, last time I checked. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and that who, who knows, that could change. But as of right now, they are technically an underdog, but they are going to play with that chip on their shoulder, as they have been all year, for better or worse. Uh, yes, there is no room for error. At, at this point, I think if you lose any game in that stretch we mentioned, you know, and like Mike alluded to, that makes it even hard to get a wild-card spot because... You just lose your you room just, for error. You just lose that, your room for error at that point. That's what, the, that's what they've done through these first five games. They've, they've kind of lost some of the wiggle room that you would have had if you had started 3-2, and 4-1. And, 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 and now that's gone. And I think, like I said, in totality, I think this is – you don't panic. But it's, you have there's got to be, gotta be some urgency. Alert. I think urgency is the word. You've got to have some so. urgency now because – God forbid you lose next week to New Orleans and you're two and four. Oh, then you're freaking out and, at that point. You're not maybe not freaking out. I think you, you are, are you at are that at point. point where you've got to start rallying off some wins fast. No, I think if you lose at New Orleans at that point, it's like what have you learned? You know, against the Steelers, against I understand the Cowboys, but against the Ravens even. But again, that's obviously up in the air. But a lot more to get into later this week. Obviously, the team's going to talk more about what they're going to work on ahead of the Saints, who, as we mentioned, they are a half point underdog to. But They're now a favorite, by the way. That now, line has swung already. They're already a one-point favorite. See? The pendulum is swinging. And we're going to swing into a new week, but we appreciate you all tuning in. Nice transition. We're going to swing into a new week. Oh, like you it. know, it's the TV ad-libbing, Andrew. I try. But for Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>